Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. The main event is shock illusionist Dan Sperry. We met up in Las Vegas this past January to discuss classic magic with a modern look, and we get into the break-in at his warehouse and the community response. Nick LaCapo joins me via Skype to discuss the featured download of the week from Michael Kent. But before all that, Tom Werner from Magicians Without Borders joins me for our recurring segment at the Sharp End. Tom Werner, thanks so much for joining us here on the Penguin Magic Podcast from Magicians Without Borders. I know you folks have been all over the world, and you were telling me that you have a, a quick story from a Sudanese refugee camp. Can you share that with our listeners? Yeah. Um, again, it's really wonderful being here with you, Eric. Uh, my wife and I uh, spent, uh, we, we've been to Ethiopia, I think, four times uh, because they were surrounded by uh, war-torn countries. They share a 2,000-mile border with Sudan on the west and the north with um, Eritrea, that there was a war between Ethiopia and Eritrea, and that's covered with refugees, and on the uh, east, uh, Somalia and so many refugee camps there in Somalia. So we were in a refugee camp, uh, a Sudanese refugee camp on the Ethiopia-Sudan uh, border, and we did a show. It was supposed to be for 200 people. It turned out to be 1,500 people, and they were um, literally up in trees and everywhere, and we're, we're doing this show. And it's going, it's going really, really well. They just never see anything like this. Um, and they're laughing and uh, amazed and just having a, a really wonderful time. And that night, we're eating in the UN compound. When we perform in refugees, more often than not, we stay right in the refugee camp. And this one uh, elder from uh, the Dinka tribe in Sudan who was helping out. Um, we were sitting talking with him and he said something that it just was so simple and so extraordinary at the same time. He said, you know, we laugh um, among ourselves with our families and friends in our tukuls, in our huts, he said, but today, and I've been here for 20 years in this refugee camp. I used to think people went to refugee camps for six months or a year, and then it blows over and they go back home. Well, that's not the way it is in most refugee camps, sadly and unfortunately, around the world. And he said, I've been here for 20 years, and today, for the first time, we laughed together as a community. And he said it was an amazing moment to be there with those 1,500 people, some from warring tribes back in Sudan, all laughing together as a community. And that's another thing we don't even realize. We didn't even realize what we were doing that day and what, in some ways, it was so unique and such a a marvelous little miracle moment for all those refugees to be laughing together as a community. So that's a little quickie from 
a Sudanese refugee camp on the Ethiopia border. That's amazing. It's you know we we hear about these refugee camps on the evening news, and we you know we see images, but uh, it's really difficult for us to sort of place ourselves in the you know their mindset and and their communities that they really are uh, creating as they've been there for so long. And thanks for uh, thanks for all the great work that Magicians Without Borders does, and uh, thanks for sharing that story with us. You're very welcome, Eric. Thank you. Thanks so much for that touching story from Magicians Without Borders, which this week is brought to you by Shazam, the podcast that hopes to make itself obsolete. Their December 14th episode, international illusionist Josephine Lee gives us the inside scoop on her BGT appearance, learning work ethic from Hans Klock, and becoming an illusionist superstar. Go give it a listen. We love everything Kayla's doing over there. Now, on to the main event. Dan Sperry has been described by the Chicago Sun-Times as the hottest act since David Blaine or Chris Angel. His unique look and jaw-dropping performances have seen him headline the Illusionist World Tour, have his foolish performance going viral, and make smash appearances on Masters of Illusion. I met up with Dan Sperry in Las Vegas where he talked about how his act evolved, his involvement with the Illusionist, and the break-in at his warehouse that happened late last year. To give some context, when we get into that part of the interview, this was recorded in January of 2020, shortly after the incident and we couldn't get too deep into it. This is a fascinating and wide-ranging talk, and a content warning, some of our language gets a little salty, but it's well worth a listen, and now you get to join our conversation. Dan Sperry, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast on a, a day when there's a, a hockey going on, <laughs> like coming here, down here to the, uh, the Strip in Las Vegas. Was, you're a trooper for coming all the way down here, but uh, I wanted to uh, talk to you because uh, your style of combining like goth and alternative culture with like classics and magic is really interesting. Um, I think for people who haven't seen your act, like watching you with the makeup and the rock and roll, and then you're like splitting doves and doing stuff is how do you, how did you come to that? And how do you continue to handle it as your, as your career develops and grows? And I say develops and grows, but you're, I mean, you're you're all over the place. You're doing all kinds of crazy stuff, but you're combining like your, this new cutting edge magic that you're doing with classics, and am I yeah. saying that a little bit correctly? I, mean, I suppose, yeah. yeah. I mean, however you want to describe yeah. it, it's no. fine. It's, um, so, what was the question? Oh, uh, how do you combine this this new sort of like cutting edge look oh. with cla- with classics and magic? And like, because it works so well, which is it's one of those things where the the first time I think about it, I'm like, oh, I don't know how this would work, and then you watch it, and it's amazing. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was um, influenced really by classical magicians mm-hmm. uh, from from like the early time of, of, of you know after getting into magic and mm-hmm. then reading books or maybe yeah. seeing you know tapes and stuff like uh, uh, or DVDs or whatever mm-hmm. you know but like growing up there were tapes um, and uh, and stuff like that so like I liked uh, like Shimada and mm-hmm. Neil Foster mm-hmm. and Cardini and, uh, and, 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 you know, and like Don Allen and those kind of magicians. Mm-hmm. Right. And so magically that influenced me Yeah, growing up and growing in magic as mm-hmm. I studied it and learned more yeah. about it. Um, those were guys that I watched that I thought were, were cool, yeah. you know? Um, and then, uh, you know, as I got older and, you know, discovered other kinds of books and other kinds of movies and music and stuff, I kind of just 
I was kind of influenced too by like I liked um, like old Universal Studios monster movies. My dad oh, yeah. was really into that stuff when he was younger, and so mm-hmm. I remember um, watching uh, like I think it was called Abbott and Costello meet Dracula or something like that. Yeah, and uh, and so I was young, and my dad had that on VHS, and I remember watching that, and um, and we were always really into Halloween. You know, my dad would. Put mm-hmm. stuff out in the yard, you know, yeah. staple gun, you know, black trash bags with a strobe light to the, you know, walls and stuff yeah. like that, right? Um, and so it um, it sort of kind of became a combination of, of those yeah. influences as I got older and kind of fell into this, uh, you know, the way your life goes when you get older and then that you discover that stuff on your own yeah. and developing your pre-teens and teens yeah. into your own person, I went the direction of like, you know, what more like kind of the punk rock yeah. uh, click would be. Cause you know? you're, you're, this isn't just an act for you. Like you are like into punk rock and, mm. and, uh, metal and you, you play music as well, right? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so I was like, yeah. in, you know, so it's like crappy garage bands and shit yeah. like that growing up. Um, but, but like having to, uh, at that time though, having to hide that, uh, outwardly. Yeah. Because, you know, I couldn't necessarily do shows or be taken serious mm-hmm. as I was trying to get gigs, you know, and and try and, and make money doing shows and asking. You know, I remember the first time I I asked for $100 for a birthday party show. I thought I was like in hot oh, cotton, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and I had, and I would take out my earrings and mm-hmm. stuff like that and like kind of slick my hair different mm-hmm. Because I wanted to look a certain way, mm-hmm. performance-wise, to be able to be more accepted to get shows. You know, yeah. what mom or dad yeah. is going to want to hire this dude, uh, you know, that looks like, uh, you know, out of the Sex Pistols or something, <laughs> yeah. to to come and do yeah. a birthday show, you know, or, yeah. or even to get uh, a show for, like, a company holiday party for the local Wells Fargo bank or yeah. something. You know, they're not going to do that. As you know, as easily mm-hmm. uh, as if you know, I they've got they've got to like want they've got to want the act first, yeah, before, yeah. because it's because you're because it's a very specific look, and so they might go, oh, this might not be HR friendly or whatever or something. Yes, like that. exactly, yeah. Or is yeah. this just some you know derelict like kid fly by night like? Yeah, because yeah. this is also you know the 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 internet and websites were pretty primitive, and there wasn't you know there wasn't Yelp or things like that or Facebook or stuff to where, mm-hmm. you know, people could necessarily have feedback mm-hmm. readily available mm-hmm. on online. So, you know, it was a lot more difficult actually mm-hmm. to book real shows because you'd have to send maybe a kit or you'd have to have a strong, yeah. you know, word of mouth, letters of recommendation, yeah. stuff like that. You know, yeah. it wasn't instantly. You, you can't just like send someone to a website where like, Hey, there's a slick video. Right. Like, look, yeah. look, I've actually done shows before. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. There, yeah. there was a lot more effort that had to go into, you know, booking gigs mm-hmm. and stuff. So, um, so it wasn't until I started getting in my late teens, it was, um, uh, Sean Farquhar and Steve Chesiday. That's right. Because you did the competition route yeah. quite a bit. And so, and you used to hang out with Farquhar yeah. like way back in the day before, uh, yeah. before when you were both like early on in competing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah, he would always be in the close up and mm-hmm. I'd always be uh in in the stage, mm-hmm. you know, stuff and and so between him and Steve Chazade, mm-hmm. those were two 
guys that really, you know, we'd hang out mm-hmm. and they'd be like, why don't you just look like this on stage? Because this is you yeah. instead of uh, kind of faking it. So you know, when you sort of started to adopt your sort of offstage persona into what you were doing on stage, did you find yourself having more success because it was a more authentic Dan Sperry that was being uh, up there? Yeah, or? yeah, um, to a degree, mm-hmm. you know, because this was also before, like, Blaine was kind Blaine was around, you yeah, know, he yeah. had had one or two or three specials at that point. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so kind of that... Alternative, which isn't even the right word, but yeah. you know what I mean. Not the whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, 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 there just weren't a lot of guys. Magic had a certain way. Varies to ter- stereotypically. It was like yeah. a lot of white dudes in suits. Yes, yes. Yeah. And now it's just a lot of white guys in V-neck t-shirts and <laughs> beards. No offense. No but the fucking beard no. thing. I totally get it. It's like. It's like Rubik's cubes, yeah. beards, shitty tattoos, and V-neck t-shirts. Thing. That's all magic is now. But um, but back then, yeah. you're right. It was yeah. different. It yeah. was like John Calvert shit. Yeah. And uh, and so um, it, it, it so it was those guys. So I didn't necessarily. I don't think I saw success as much because I was also still pretty young. Yeah. You know, I was like yeah. 15, 16, 17, and it wasn't until. Um, I uh, I did I did a Magi Fest and I won the competition. They brought me back the next year. Yeah. At, on the in the stage show. This is how this is how Magi Fest used to be. Yeah. Uh, nothing against the way Josh or Andrew are doing. Oh, it. they're they're doing great. But yeah. Magi Fest was they there just aren't it's there a, aren't conventions like that anymore. Abbott's no. is probably the closest one that's yeah. still alive. Like how it how it how it used to be, right? Yeah. So um, so then they'd bring back the winner to perform in like a, a, a little gala show. Yeah. And then I performed in the gala show and the chairman of the convention then immediately rehired me to come back then next year uh, to do the big main stage show, which mm-hmm. is kind of like for the convention, but also is for the public. Too, yeah. Because right? they used to have it like in the Ohio theater. Yeah. It was there. huge. Yeah. It was huge. Yeah. And uh, so I did that. And I did it. Dale Hyman would always come out and be the stage manager. Yeah. And this is also when he was the president of the castle. Mm-hmm. So then he had seen me the year before, saw me again, actually worked with me, and invited me to come to the castle. And at that point, I was like 17, right? Yeah. And so I was like, holy shit, like this is oh, yeah. insane, right? And so I went and did the castle, and it was really after I did the castle, did did doors kind of start to open a bit more? Because mm-hmm. it's like, well, okay, if the castle booked him, yeah, maybe this is okay, yeah. you know? And uh, it's, it's interesting how, because, again, when you watch the act, it totally works. Everything is, is awesome and really good, but then it, it sort of required this validation, even though it didn't, because the act is solid and stands on its own. And I suddenly guess, there's, yeah. like, this weird validation from, a, from like, a, an institution in magic. But, yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah, it's like that. Then, then, then everything seemed a bit easier. Yeah, you know. Then other conventions started hiring me because mm-hmm. kind of just word of mouth. And then yeah. at that point too, the internet wasn't as infantile. Of course, there wasn't YouTube or anything like that. Yeah. There wasn't. There was MySpace, but just a bunch of you know pedophiles were on there, so that didn't count. <laughs> well, that's probably why the magicians found me. But um, uh, but it <laughs> it uh. But, you know, yeah, it, yeah. it could make the website. I could then I kind of had like a little digital yeah. kit resume thing, and so other magic conventions would see me performing at other people's conventions, yeah. 
and and it really kind of uh, took off from there. Like I did, um, I did uh, the the Daytona convention yeah. after I'd worked the castle. Uh, I remember Harry Allen, mm-hmm. um, who I just gotten to know, like working, you oh, know, yeah. these these other conventions and uh, and competing and stuff. And uh, you know, those guys, those dealers, you know, they never see anything because they're stuck behind a booth. Yeah. But uh, he had heard uh, through, like, the Laughlins, too, when Dwayne and Mary used to have their booths and stuff. Mm-hmm. They always had me back in Hank Morehouse. So I had done – I did Abbott's uh, as well. Actually, I did Abbott's before I did the castle. But Abbott's helped yeah. that because it's also just such a classic, yep. well-respected. And that's when Hank Morehouse was still alive. And he yeah. had a lot of connections. And he really helped uh, me get yeah. out there, you know, because yeah. Hank was also tied in with all the FISM people and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, so that I don't know, I'm getting off on attention, but um, mm-hmm. but that's that's kind of how it how it just yeah mm-hmm. came together, and and I think it also helped that I and I don't want to say this to sound like fool of myself, but I could speak intelligently about magic with elders and superiors because yeah. I was brought up mm-hmm. in a certain way in mm-hmm. magic, kind of more classically mm-hmm. based. Like I read Fitzky yeah. and. You know, I I had the Tarbell set and yeah. learned stuff from that. And, yeah. You know, and so to be able to refer to these classic guys, some alive, some dead at the time, and and speak of their material intelligently yeah. with these elders and superiors, mm-hmm. I think that helped a lot as yeah. well. Just having that so grounding it's, or it's whatever. It sort of goes from like, hey, there's this like guy who's like kind of extreme looking to, oh, he is talking about like the these deep philosophies and and uh, and techniques. Yeah. That, so it's there's there's a you've got street cred instantly from these. Kind of yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. That's yeah. a way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So while you're doing these conventions, what what are the other gigs that you're doing at the time? Are you? I mean, are are you doing corporate gigs or are you? Uh, yeah. Doing, like, I mean, you, you know, could call it corporate. Sorry to interrupt, but this week the main event is brought to you by Repair from Michael Kent. Nick Lacapo joined me via Skype to talk about this latex miracle. Uh, you know, Nick, when we're not doing this podcast, we both sometimes show up on another podcast by a Columbus magician, a little dude by the name of Michael Kent. Never heard of him. Nope. No, uh, definitely. <laughs> we love Michael Kent. Yeah, no, he's great. Uh, a lot of really yeah. great performer, really really clever thinker. Uh, does some really great stuff in his live shows and his virtual shows. Uh, but he put out a download a few years ago uh, called Repair. That is an awesome like popped and restored balloon or torn and restored yeah. balloon thing. Well, oh, man, it's such a good trick. Yeah, you just blow up a balloon and then you pop it and then you take some of the broken pieces and you blow it up again. <laughs> it's uh. It's, it's and the method behind it is super clever, super yeah. cooling. Like, I remember when I first saw the video for this, and I was like, I don't really remember I'm trying to think of what I thought it might be. Yeah, and I couldn't be more wrong. I remember that. I, I just remember that when I learned the method, I was just like, whoa, that is twenty times better than I ever thought it could be. Yeah, and, and it's a great trick. I've done it for some people, and like. Really fools people. He's really hard. I mean, fool me. He's got a history of like coming up with like really clever things like that, where you're just like, oh man, that's such a good idea. And repair is just like right up there with one of them. Uh, it's yeah. It's, and you know what? Uh, tricks to balloons are just flat out fun. Like I want, I want more balloon tricks. Is really what I'm after. Yeah. yeah, you don't need anything. You just need some balloons. 
Yeah. And you're not like hiding anything in your hands or, you know, like this is yeah. just one of those things you make it, make it up. It's easy and it works. It's going to work. It's a great trick. Yeah, it's a, it's a phenomenal trick. Repair by Michael Kent. Check it out. That was Repair by Michael Kent, available on penguinmagic.com. Hey, as a special thank you for listening to this podcast, if you enter the discount code PENGUINPOD, that's P-E-N-G-U-I-N-P-O-D, all one word at checkout, you'll get 25% off this amazing trick. Now, that discount code is only good until Wednesday at midnight and only for Repair by Michael Kent. Now, back to my conversation with Dan Sperry. So while you're doing these conventions, what what are the other gigs that you're doing at the time? Are you, I mean, are are you doing corporate gigs or are you uh, yeah, doing? Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. you could call it corporate. Yeah. It's like like regional corporate. Yeah, I guess you know dealership, you know yeah. functions and whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was doing walk around at restaurants yeah. and uh, and birthday parties mm-hmm. and because uh, this kind of crossed over from when I was still in high school in Minnesota and mm-hmm. then moved to Chicago mm-hmm. when I graduated. So this kind of straddles both. Yeah. times and it was it was when I was in Chicago I really mostly was doing kids shows full okay. time and uh, and then I would do like theater shows with Marshall mm-hmm. Brodeen because he was tied in mm-hmm. with like the Lions Clubs and all these yeah. um, sort of the like nonprofits because yeah. of his uh, uh, history with WGN the Bozo Show yeah. and stuff like that so he was you know uh, a celebrity yeah. you know that. Um, that was, uh, you know, he was like the Lance of Chicago, basically. Yeah. You know, Lance goes and, like, takes pictures with homeless dogs now and stuff. <laughs> and that's what Marshall would do, yeah. you know, and stuff. And so he would, Marshall would bring me out and we would do these fundraiser shows. And um, and that, that helped, too, because Marshall was tight with John Morin. Mm-hmm. And when he took over uh, the editor of Magic Magazine, instead of Stan, when John did it for a bit, and then yeah. John also, I think he went to... SAM or something, or maybe yeah. it was Lincoln. I don't remember. Um, but that helped because Marshall really yeah. kind of had my back as well to help say, "Hey, there's this dude. Yeah. You know, you should check him out." Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and w- at what point did you get involved with the Illusionists? Because you're one of the you're one of the original cast members. Correct? Yeah, I'm one of the original five. Are, yeah. are you still with them or no, not? I quit no? that company no? like okay. two years ago. Okay. All right. Yeah. And at what point did you get involved with them? From the beginning. Oh, from the very beginning. Yeah. Were you yeah. a part of the team that put it together, or just yeah, sort of? Yeah. Um, it was. It was basically. It was like five of us uh, that got the call from Brett Daniels mm-hmm. when it was getting put together, and he was working on it with the producer, and uh, and um, so it was. Uh, I got the call about it. Uh, Kevin James, Jeff Hobson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Demer was mm-hmm. there initially. Uh, it, well, it was us four. I know at least here from Vegas. Yeah, you know there was a, a British mentalist yeah. and an Italian escape artist, but uh, they were they were originally talking to uh, Cosentino mm-hmm. uh, about it because he had just done Australia's Got Talent. Gotcha. But he was so big at you know doing his own stuff. Yeah. He, you know, but it was debuting at Sydney Opera House, so they thought like, oh yeah. man, we could get. Cosentino. If and, it's debuting there, then yeah, yeah let's would, get local local exactly. boy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was the Copperfield for yeah. that moment at yeah. that time, and uh, or that's not a good example because that's yeah. a disrespect to David. He was like the yeah. Matt Franco or yeah. the Shin Lim yeah. at that time. Yeah. You know, and uh, and that's not a disrespect yeah. to Costino. I'm just saying, no, no. You know, it's you it's, can't, a, it's a different. You can't compare. Yeah. No, no absolutely. Um, not. But uh, but so so Costino couldn't do it. So then uh, Andrew the. Uh, yeah. Other skateboards came in, but basically, yeah, the four of us 
Yeah, actually, uh, me, Brett, Kevin, Jeff, and James got mm. together. Uh, it was at Venetian in this suite that Brett had. Yeah. And we basically spent like four or five hours with our notebooks just chilling out in yeah. the suite going, all right, your top five routines that you'd want to do. How long yeah. are they? And we just kind of made this show idea of how we could transition uh, in and out of each other's acts, um, help in each other's acts. Because yeah. um, like initially, unfortunately, not many people got to see the original sort of incarnations. Mm-hmm. I think they were really great. Unfortunately, yeah. in my opinion, um, the, 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 that, that, that company and brand has mm-hmm. kind of wet the bed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, because it would, it, Kevin would come out and help me do the coin out of the belly thing and, mm-hmm. and you know, as like the doctor character. And then after that, that transition oh, into man. the operation because, you know, it was this whole like weird, and then I was, yeah. I, then I helped Kevin with the operation, you know, lifting the the guy off the table on the tray and th- you know that just like just, flows really yeah, well yeah it was really cool we, we were we, and we had this whole scene where we were all at a bar mm-hmm. kind of outdoing each other with cups and balls and everybody did a different version so like oh. Brett did like Vernon's classic cups and balls and we told the history of the cups and balls as we did it and I did chop cup another guy did a two cup you know routine blah 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 blah, blah. and yeah. then at the end it, it went back to Brett he made the chicks appear Kevin mm-hmm. then would come out with this KFC bucket and put the baby chicks in the KFC bucket. Then <laughs> I'd grab one of the chicks out of the bucket and eat it in front of the, to a blackout, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And it was, it, we were doing all sorts of fun stuff yeah. like that. So those were the good old days. So uh, what about your show now? So I know that you're touring your stage show, mm-hmm. which is awesome. But then I found yeah. that you're doing close-up here in Vegas, which is, what? Yeah. what is that show? So it's like um, it's like a close-up kind of parlor show, I okay. guess you um, And... And it, it it was an idea that kind of came about. So me and my main like tech guy yeah. that tours with me a lot, he um, he and I just come back. Well, he, he was with me and some of my other crew guys. Uh, I have two main guys in town that tour mm-hmm. with me a lot. And we had just come back from Germany, from one of my big tours in Germany. Mm-hmm. And we had the summer off until we started up again in the fall. Yeah. And, uh, and... And we just every time you do a tour, you kind of go through this withdrawal, you know, mm-hmm. where you're like, "Well, now what do I do?" You know, like <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you kind of got to adjust into what what is normal life to other people, you mm-hmm. know, like you're not, you yeah. know, you're not having to yeah. get sleep up and, in a bunk on yeah. a bus, and you're, you know, you're not having to share a shower, not at the same time, yeah. but you know, <laughs> rotate, you know, shower times, and yeah, the venue stuff like that, you know. So we were like, you know, we're bored. Yeah, we're just bored, you know, and uh, and we were hanging out, uh, having some drinks, just going, what are we going to do? Like, yeah. what you know, all the big stuff's in Germany still, so we can't book anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had a couple, like, club shows uh, mm-hmm. and stuff, but I was like, you know what, what if we just did uh, a one night a week close-up show? So it's not, mm-hmm. not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it's just something for fun. Yeah. And and he was like, yeah, no, let's totally do that. We can yeah. bring in the lights that we still had and, you know, some of the set pieces that we still had here. And mm-hmm. and the Griffin is the bar that we do it at. And that was one of the first bars that I ever went to when I was old enough to, you know, yeah. hang out. And it was downtown and it's like, 
it would it, it's it does it doesn't have a patio or a big entry. It's just this yeah. one door along a brick wall on East Fremont between mm-hmm. a couple really popular known bars. But mm-hmm. um, this one is kind of like a just kind of a hidden in plain sight uh, cocktail. You know, it it looks like you're in a dungeon or something. It's exposed brick and little fireplaces and mm-hmm. weird tapestry paintings yeah. and stuff. It looks like the- Hogwarts. The way I explain it to everybody, it looks like Hogwarts. And CBGBs combined, because oh. then there's like dirty punk rock stickers on the wall. And they'll, that sounds they'll, awesome. They'll, yeah, it's really great. Like you'll go in and they'll be playing like New Order, or they'll be playing yeah. Ramones, or whatever. Yeah. You know, and um, and so they have this back room mm-hmm. where I'd seen some little trio, three piece bands play, and on the mm-hmm. weekends they have DJs back there because they'll do like themed, yeah. you know, like eighties night, dark wave, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Dope. And so. Um, I was like, well, let's do it in that back room. We could totally maybe do this. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to my buddy, Eric Olson, who does Wizards down yeah. in Florida, right? I just I just did a convention with Eric, who is, it's so, it, Eric is so much fun. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. super great. And Wizards is an, is an awesome venue. Yeah, so, yeah, so I, 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 I knew with Wizards, because they had just had like their 10-year anniversary or something yeah. so I, I was talking to him about it and he was coming through town working a trade show mm-hmm. and uh, and his wife was here too Kim and she's great so we I took him to Griffin for mm-hmm. some drinks or whatever and I told them my idea because how they yeah. do wizards and Eric has had his own shows throughout Florida at resorts and stuff and uh, I you know wanted to ask him because I know he's he's gone into these yeah. He's places. The per- he's a perfect guy to be like. This is how you should set this room up. Yeah, basically, yeah. And he, like he'll go in like cold and meet with the people, you know. And he, you know, yeah. he, he, they do it. Him and Kim know how to do it. So I had told him the idea, and, you know, kind of the ticket price and how we yeah. were gonna do this, yeah. and uh, and we finagled a, a, a little business, not a business plan, but a pitch plan. Yeah. And then another mutual friend just so happens to know the guy that owns the building. So that was an, our kind of in, yeah. and uh, and initially they gave us two weeks just to give it a, a try. But then I had some, I had some other uh, gigs booked, mm-hmm. and they had the the room booked for something else. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so I wanted to do it on Wednesday because then that leaves my weekends open. Yeah, you know I can go do other gigs uh, mm-hmm. and still come back and do this. And with it being a close up show, you know we say forty people, but we really can't have forty people back there because of fire code. We can really only have like. 32 35 yeah, maybe yeah. maybe if nobody's looking you know yeah and uh and so i was like you know with with a close-up show this is easy you know yeah. uh to to have material that you know we can do it's small it's intimate it's the mm-hmm. exact opposite of what i really do on the road so it yeah. can kind of have this yin and yang yeah. sort of thing and one day a week that's not hard at all we can make this work and, oh yeah and then uh and we did so we did the first two weeks and uh and they were totally down for it and like yeah we've just been doing it ever since and we really only promote it via word of mouth mm-hmm. and social media we don't have advertising we don't work with like ticket brokers and stuff like oh, that's that great. you know so uh and uh and the the deal i have with the bar is is really really great so mm-hmm. I can't you know can't complain I mean we're not getting rich off of it and that wasn't our intention either it's you know, to have just, fun right yeah to have fun and have like a base because it, it'll also from an, from another marketing promotional sort of angle mm-hmm. it, uh, it's good you know for me when I do my road shows and stuff to be able to say direct from here 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 and his own Las Vegas show yeah you know, kind of thing so that's a good 
a strong selling point. Is it just you, know? you, or do you have other guest performers in right now? No, it's just me. I've had um, I've had some friends come in and do time. Yeah. Like if they're in town, I've I've had them come in and, and do a couple minutes in the yeah. beginning and stuff like that. I, I yeah. like not often, but every once in a while. Like I had Justin Miller come and he did when yeah. he was in town doing stuff for uh, for another mm-hmm. online magic company. <laughs> and uh, so it's 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 totally fine. The the Penguin podcast is like uh, is Switzerland as oh, far as okay. everyone's concerned. Right. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. So he was doing stuff with the Illusionist. Right? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and him and some of the boys were in town. And yeah. So uh, yeah. So I, I told. Miller, like, yeah, mm-hmm. dude, fucking come do 10 minutes, you know, all awesome. stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, when there's, you know, people, you know, in town and stuff, you know, friends yeah. and be like, hey, come, you know, oh, that's come, great. And, come and jump in if you want, you know. That's, I mean, it's, and people can find out about this on your website if they want to come see the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can either go to danceberry.com mm-hmm. or the, I call the show Black Magic Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, so, if you can go to blackmagicwednesday.com, that information is there. Unfortunately, like, nine months after we opened, uh, there's uh, a black male stripper show that they started just calling black <laughs> magic or something like that. So yeah. now if you like fucking type that in and yeah. like Vegas stuff or whatever. It'll yeah. Work. So there's two different black magic Wednesdays yeah. and you got, and you got to know exactly what you're getting into. Right. Theirs is more scary. I think, than mine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I want to switch topics a little bit because, uh, you had a break in, in yeah. your warehouse yeah. and, uh, which was awful, but also the magic community really rallied around you. And yeah, I didn't think that many people liked me, <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah. but it was, um, yeah. Can you tell? Uh, talk a little about what happened, and then and have you recovered? Like the show is back together, and you're yeah. We're like at about I'd say like eighty percent. Okay. You know, because some of the stuff too, um, some of what was taken as far as like the magic and stuff goes was mm-hmm. like a lot of like one of a kind, custom built like and and not even yeah. like custom built by like Bill Smith or yeah. Willie Kennedy or whatever. It was yeah. stuff that like me and like my one of the guys that I work with a lot uh, is Jason Bainey. He's mm-hmm. a really good, uh, you know, hands-on gimmicky builder guy. Yeah. Uh, and Bizarro is another guy. So there's yeah. there was stuff that like I had, you know, come up with and, and had help from like Bizarro to make or mm-hmm. Bainey to make. Things like that that they kind of are like a working prototype that mm-hmm. become the actual prop you end up using and never really... You're always like, oh, I'm going to rebuild that someday yeah. and, and make it. <laughs> uh, now I know how I'd want to you know, yeah. tweak it, but then, but it works fine for now. Yeah, so you're working it, it's cares. still using it. and Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, and so stuff like that, though, yeah. I, I just haven't had the time or energy to, to try and recover, you, yeah. know, you know, but yeah, and then like, yeah, as far as uh, other stuff, you know, when it, when it initially happened, you know, um, Nick Defot, who's been a friend of mine for a long time, he had yeah. a road case that I let him make uh, and have made off of one of my road cases that I use as a table, mm-hmm. and he wasn't using it, so he let me borrow that for some shows while Ugh. I waited to get the other cases built. Yeah. And uh, and well, so some of the cases, are, uh, you know, Penguin based out of Columbus, I yeah. work with Cabbage Case a lot. Oh yeah, Columbus, right? yeah, Cabbage Case is yeah. great. So so they. Uh, I, a friend of mine, Chez, today works with them too. Mm-hmm. So they gave, you know, they were really cool with helping me yeah. get those rebuilt. But in the meantime, I used Nick's uh, case and stuff, mm-hmm. and um, and then just yeah, just uh, other, uh, you know, uh, other other people where I you know needed uh, some needles for like needle through arm yeah. for a, a routine I do, and uh, and I use the Fun Ink brand and Andrew mm-hmm. over there was cool enough to you know yeah. get those sent out and you know help me out with that yeah. And so yeah you know so, but then you know see so yeah, I was some stuff that just 
you know, so custom stuff that I made myself and put together or yeah. me with other people. And then it's just like, oh man, I need to, I need to rebuild that, but I just haven't had time yeah. yet, you know, and, and some of them were brand new yeah. too. You know, that was that, you know, stuff that was, I, I think like there was one prop that I, like that I made like a, a, over a weekend mm-hmm. and uh, it was one of those things where like I had it drawn out. I, I thought this is how it was going to work. And then it took me like a whole weekend to realize, you know, as I'm building, okay, this this method isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Rebuilt it, figured out, you know, how I'm going to change it, and it and it worked great. I took it on tour in Germany this last spring, mm-hmm. got back with it, and I was gonna use it for these bunch of runs of Halloween shows that I was mm-hmm. going to do. And then they took that prop, and so now, you know, again, it's just like, oh man, now I now I know how I'd want to make it even better and different. Yeah, but I really only got to use it for that run of shows and I like it was so it was that new that I was like so ready to get it back out and keep tweaking it and then now I can't you know and stuff like that which was a total bummer but um but for the most part yeah we're we're back up and running that's good so were they able to find out who did it and get them taken care of well I can't talk to you much about it right now I I can say they they did catch the guy that's good that yeah did it yeah but he wasn't the guy behind it Okay, so there's he a lot was more a foot soldier for somebody else. A lot more to this say. story, but you can't talk about it right now. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's yeah. totally fair. We don't want to. Yeah, don't wanna... no. I'll, I'll, you know, it, it's. I'll probably write like a, a mini manuscript book about it because yeah. it's really unfolded in just a, a crazy, fashion. Fair. I mean, no, fair enough. I, yeah. I, I look forward to hearing the full story later on, but we're very glad that everything has turned out well. Yeah, yeah. And if any of the listeners were people that donated or helped out in any yeah. way, uh, I want to say that I really. Do appreciate it because uh, it, like I said, I didn't know that many people like me in magic, yeah. but it was, uh, you know, just stuff too that, um, like, you know, things that now were easily replaceable because of things like the GoFundMe and, yeah. and, and I have shows now where I'm not at the level I was at when I acquired these yeah. things, you know, still, you know, you still got to save up and budget for whatever your next investment is going to be. Right. Mm-hmm. But this is stuff from like 10, 15 years ago mm-hmm. that I, uh, y- y- you know, that, that I saved up, but I had to really save up for it and mm-hmm. be disciplined and, yeah. you know, take every little shit gig. Like I remember doing my bird act at the deja vu strip club here <laughs> in Vegas at 2 AM. Yeah. And you know, with a, with a stripper pole, like literally right oh. there. And I've and done the, like I've, 50 bucks. I've know? done those gigs and yeah, I, I feel your pain. There right, are, but you know, just that every little yeah. nickel, you know, yeah. that could go towards getting the, um, whatever it is, yeah. whatever that prop is. Or the, you know, like uh, whatever, you know, whatever it is that you're saying, mm-hmm. the prop, the the gimmick, mm-hmm. the the rights for something, yeah. even you know, um, having not not being able to have that whatever mm-hmm. physically anymore, and the memory and and pride attached to it to be like yo, yeah. like I was 23 and just you know, whatever. Yeah. Struggling. And, and I, and I did it. I was yeah. able to save that 1500 bucks to get the, you know, yeah. the whatever, or the 400 for the, you know, Jamie Schoolcraft expanded shell walking Liberty <laughs> age, you know, but, yeah. but, you know, the, yeah. you know, all that. 
So, yeah. Well, that, that, that stuff, yeah. that being taken away, it was almost worse yeah. than. Oh, yeah. You know, the. There's definitely props, props that I own that I'm just like, if, so, if this ever went missing or something like that, I would be crushed. I, mm-hmm. And to have that happen to you was wild. Yeah. But the response from the community to rally around you was really impressive. And, and I can tell, look at you, that you really do appreciate all the people who donated to the GoFundMe. And, and it's, it's been. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. I mean, they yeah. even stole my bra that I wore on Foolus. Oh, I know that one hurt a lot. Yeah, because have you ever bought a bra? I personally have not. Well, I have. Okay. And a bra like that, you know, we're probably about the same size, <laughs> so you know what department you have to go in. Yeah, you can probably guess. Yeah. what kind of yeah. department of the women's girls area yeah. to buy a bra that's an would uncomfortable fit us? Yeah. yeah, we, you know, it's not it's not fun. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a fun trip. To try and find this bra uh, huh. that I got in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah, so I can't go back in. Uh, huh. I can't go back to the Dillard's in Milwaukee <laughs> anymore. <laughs> it looked bad. Well, Danceberry, thanks so much for joining me on the Penguin Magic Podcast. I, yeah. I can't think of a better story to go out on. Right than that. there, you go. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's gonna do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Dan for the conversation, and thanks to you for listening. On the show next week, I'll be airing another one of my conversations from Las Vegas. It's a chat with the performer, director, choreographer, and magician, Holly England. You're not going to want to miss it. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform. You are also wondering what the body of the Pringles man looks like. John Oliver and myself both want to know. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you'll have to tune into the Sunday Night Penguin Magic stream on Facebook and YouTube where I answer questions in the chat. I know there's usually a silly joke here, but I'm going to save the silly joke for the stream. You can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, perform. Practice, practice, perform.